Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. So I have a a lot that I want on these Wednesday nights to just challenge us with. There are more than enough in this, this room tonight to allow God to begin getting a hold of our hearts to change the course of what God is doing not change the course, but get on course with God in, in this city. There's more than enough. And we have to start seeing stuff from a, a different perspective. We, we, I did not say this particularly on Sunday, but we are not laboring to become conquerors. We are laboring as conquerors. And we need to simply be able to, to step in and experience what Christ has done, but that it always includes prayer. And it always includes that declaration of dependence. So where I want you to turn tonight is Matthew chapter 16 and 17. And I want to deal with this matter of no movement without prayer. And I could put that title to many different places. But we're going to look at the disciples tonight and just grab, a, I hope, a pretty simple lesson and draw some, some uh, points from their, their experience with Christ, what Christ had promised them, what Christ had commissioned them to do. But yet coming up empty, coming up, you know, hitting that, hitting that wall and just coming up against it and like, we got no power. We, got, we, we can't go anywhere. We're, 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 we have no success in this situation. And so I want to lay a groundwork and then we'll read a passage of scripture. So Matthew 16, 18, our theme last year was I will build my church. Uh, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's a promise, that's a fact, that is what God is doing in the world whether we experience it or not, he is, he is doing that. And he is the architect of the church, and he's doing it in wonderful ways around the world. I mean, wonderful ways around the world. It just, if, if you get a hold of, of some of the, the testimonies, I, I recently listened to one from India, and I just, I, just, I just marvel at what God is doing around the world. And, and there's no reason in the world we should not be seeing that here in America and right here in Kettering. There's no reason in the world. There, God is the same God He's not given up on, on this as, as long as we have breath in our lungs. He is, a, he is the same God. There's hope in him. So Christ has promised to build his church. Christ declared to his disciples in verse number 21, chapter 16, that this building of the church would happen through his death and resurrection. So from that time forward, he began to declare to them, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to die. What did Peter do? You tell me. No, it's not going to happen through death. No, it's not going to happen through sacrifice. Peter would have made a perfect American, right? He would have. We don't like our comfort being taken. There's some other way to build the church than through sacrifice. No. In fact, verse number 24, let's look at it together and let's read it out loud. Verse number 24, Matthew 16 uh, and then said Jesus unto his disciples, let's read together, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. There is no 
fulfillment of the promise of chapter uh, of verse number 18 without us identifying with verse number 24 which means personal sacrifice he sacrificed we share in that sacrifice it's just that simple yet we have tried so many other means we have tried gimmicks we have tried so many other means to get at seeing christ's kingdom advanced and it doesn't happen through any other way but his death burial and resurrection and our identifying with him in that sacrifice that's the way it happens. So we come through this passage of Scripture. Six days later, he goes to Mount uh, Hebron for the transfiguration, where there is a transformation in his, his life be, right before the eyes of his disciples. Look at uh, verse number 1, chapter 17. James and John, his brother, and bringeth him up into a high mountain apart, and it was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as light, and behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with them, and Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. Yeah, this is a hallelujah moment. We're seeing some amazing things happen. We see the transfiguration right before our eyes. And Peter, uh, God said, no, you need to listen to Jesus. Uh, and there was a time, you know, it, you're not to stay up here, you're to go somewhere and take this message, you're to take the reality of all that's going on here to this world, and so you can't stay here, you gotta, you gotta go, and so uh, Peter again was trying to step in the way, and God says, no, 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 it's, that, that's not how it's going to be, you're not going to hide out up on top of this mountain, and so, so we have this transfiguration, by the way, 2 Corinthians 3 and verse number 18 speaks of our spiritual transformation as we look into the law, of liberty, the perfect law of liberty. And as we look into God's word even tonight, there's a spiritual transformation that ought to be happening. We ought to be changed from the same glory to glory uh, as by what God has written as we see Jesus Christ in his word by the Holy Spirit's work in our life. And so here, they're up on this mountain, they're gonna be coming down and they're, they're gonna meet up with the rest of the disciples. And they have been down on the ground, so to speak, going through a test. Because Jesus had, had commissioned them, and here's what I want you to catch. Uh, Jesus had commissioned them in Matthew chapter number 10 to do something, to, to preach the gospel, to preach Jesus Christ, and he had enabled them with sign gifts to, to, verify, to verify the message of the gospel. He had commissioned them in that, in that way, and yet when the disciples came to this point, they were powerless to break through the scenario that was right in front of them. So what I want us to do is is remember we're coming off the mountain uh we uh, jesus is meeting up with the rest of the disciples and let's look at verse number 14 and read together the bible says this and when they were come to the multitude there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying lord have mercy on my son for he is a lunatic you ever said that about your kids he's a lunatic and sore vexed for oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil. And Jesus rebuked the devil. Aren't you thankful about that? Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Cured being made whole completely. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could we not cast him out? 
And Jesus said unto them, because your unbelief, really straightforward, for verily, truly, I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of, of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. How be it, let's read this together, how be it, this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. So here's what I want us to catch. I want us to catch the disciples were commissioned. Go back to Matthew chapter number 10. Matthew chapter number 10, the Bible tells us that the disciples, all of them were called and they were commissioned uh, to the work of the Lord uh, there in, in, in wherever Jesus sent them. Verse number five, then these 12, Jesus sent forth and commanded them saying, go not into the way of the Gentiles or, or, and into the way of the city of the Samaritans, enter ye not, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So his focus at this point was still focusing in on, on reaching out to Israel. They had not yet rejected him, uh, and, and he was still reaching out to them in specific. And as ye go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have re, uh, received, freely give. And so Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to go publish me. Go out and publish me. And as you go, you have the ability. I am giving you the authority, the power to be able to verify your message with these sign gifts. Now, we get all out of whack in this generation with the, uh, with the sign gifts. And we have churches that are just based around the sign gifts. All those were, specifically to Israel, were verifications of the gospel message, of the message of the Lord Jesus Christ, of the message of the Messiah. So even the matter of, of tongues in the, in the Bible, the Literal languages, right? Not, not, not gobbledygook. I mean, literal languages. Even that was a sign gift to declare to them, this is real. This is real. This is, this is verifiable. And so he has commissioned his disciples to go out and preach him, to declare it specifically to the Israelites, and he gave them the power, he gave them God's authority and power to heal the sick and to uh, cast out devils. Now, I want you to keep that in mind. Because they're going to come up, in, uh, up against a situation where they, they seem powerless against a devil. Now, I want you to realize this as well, that the disciples had seen God work. Luke chapter number 10, verse number 18. The disciples had seen uh, the success of this. They had gone out and they come back and report to Jesus, we were able to cast out devils. And Jesus said, hey, don't be so glad that you're able to cast out devils. Rejoice in the fact that your name is written in heaven. So even that goes back to our lives. You know, sometimes we get so happy and rejoicing about what we're able to do. And Jesus just reminds us, hey, uh, let's not get over the fact that your name's written in heaven. Okay, isn't that a wonderful thing? So they had seen success in this. So as we come to uh, Matthew chapter number 17, the disciples had been commissioned, they had been given power, yet it is here that it is said in verse number 14 and uh, 16 that they could not cure him. They, they had been commissioned, they had received it, but they could not, in this case, cure him. And so I just want us to understand that, that uh, just because... We have had success in the past and just because we've been commissioned and called and just because there's a promise that jesus has given doesn't mean that we'll always see the power or experience the conquering of it experience the triumph of christ in that situation they luke 10 17 they when they said we cast out devil on devils and even the devils are subject to us 
through your name. I mean, they had it right. It was through your name. It wasn't through us. It was through your name. And, and they, in those moments, they had, they had surrendered. They had realized that this power was coming from Jesus, not from them. And they were just acting it out on his behalf in, that, in those situations. They were obeying. They were trusting him. And they were seeing the triumph of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember this, that past triumphs do not guarantee present triumphs and future triumphs in your life and in mine. Just because you have a story from two years ago that Jesus worked in your life and answered prayer doesn't mean that you're going uh, to have that today. And a lot of that comes down to our willingness to continue to trust and obey, not get gloating over the fact that God used me. And that's what happens with them. And it's probably what happens in this situation. So verse number, uh, uh, verse number 16, notice with me how it is said of this man, remember, likely a lost man who says this, I brought him to your disciples and they could not cure him. They could not cure him. Now how many times has the world come into churches like ours, come in contact with Christians like us, and found no cure? No healing. That's convicting. How many times have they cried out, and they cry, uh, cry out in different ways? The cries of the world are not always obvious except to a discerning believer, someone who's filled with the Spirit and just sensing things. So sometimes they act out. They act out in anger, but it's a cry for help. Uh, they, they act out rudely. It's a cry for help. They act insecure. It's a cry for help. All these different things. And how many times maybe have we come in contact with people and we were incapable to help them because we weren't relying on, the, on the, the power that God has given us. He said, I've sent you into this world. All power is given unto me. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. You have this. Lo, I'm with you always. This is yours. You have it. Give it to them. Freely you have received. Freely give. And so I want us to think about this. They were commissioned, but the disciples acted incapable. I did not say they were incapable. They acted incapable. Because they were actually very capable through the power of the Holy Spirit. And they, they should have been able to say, by faith and in obedience to the Lord, they should have been able to take care of this situation with this young man and bring healing into this young man. And this is where I just want us to think about this fact that there is no movement in God's work without prayer, without reliance on him. There is no movement. There is no success. There is no way forward. There is no conquering mountains. There is no doing of the impossible without, without him. There is no conversion. There is no fruit that remains. There is no replication. There is no... Think about this. There is no planting of a church without, without prayer and acknowledgement. Hey, you got to do this. There is no a church in Hilliard, Ohio without someone saying, hey, you got to do this. I can't do this. I don't even have the wherewithal to do this. I've come here without even funding, and, and I need you to do this. Yet God's done it, right? And so there's no movement without prayer. There's no movement without this, this, this realization and this acknowledgement You've got this. This is all you, and I just want to apply your victory in this place. And so here we have these disciples. They acted incapable. We lack power. We think we lack power, but really we lack obedience and faith. Obedience and faith. And how many times do we, how many times is it, is it true of us that we do not see God work a miracle in a situation because we've lacked obedience and faith that he's, he's going to do what he said he was going to do. Did he say he was going to save souls all the way to the end of time? Is he not delaying his coming? 
uh, does, he, does he still rescue, rescue Peter's off the, the Sea of Galilee and restore them to full usefulness? Doesn't he? Does he still restore a John Mark who quit in the book of Acts and later on says, hey, Paul says he's profitable for the ministry. Does he, does he still do that? Yes, he does. And so we, we, in our minds, we act incapable. We're not. And really, it's, it's not a lack of power that we have. It's a lack of obedience and faith. And so I just want us to really contemplate this matter of, you know, what is it that the unsaved has prayed quietly to Jesus? Remember, this man's coming to Jesus and saying, I brought him to your disciples, and they could not heal him. They could not cure him. What is it that the unsaved quietly prays in their heart to God out of, out of anguish, out of frustration, out of hopelessness, out of despair, out of brokenness? It says, I went to that church, but I got no answer. I went to that church, and they treated me like an outsider. You know what I'm talking about? And friends, I'm telling you, when you start thinking about that, that that's, that's stirring to me to think that we could have people right within this neighborhood or right within our workplace that, that have cried out for help and have brought thinking, thinking that person, if anyone has an answer, that person has an answer. And they didn't get an answer because we weren't depending on the Holy Spirit. We weren't depending on the power of Christ and or walking in the reality. He says, you're a conqueror through me. And applying that into that situation. And so, are you all with me? Is this, am, I, am I making sense on this? So, when we do not follow the commission of Christ with faith and obedience, we should expect, like happens in their situation, we should expect that Christ is going to chasten us. Now, yeah, look at this situation. And by the way, his chastening is to help us to get in line so, to bring out usefulness right? Um, would you rather live your life 70 years and, and just powerless, no ability to, to bring the cure of the Lord Jesus Christ to other people, you get to the end of it and just, and, and like, Lord, why didn't you tell me? No, he's going to chasten us in the moment. And so what happens here? Verse number 17, oh, faithless and perverse generation. How do you like that? That's, the, I mean, though he didn't mince words with them. He dealt with their issue right in front of right in front of the lost, right in front of this man. He's saying, listen, you guys, you guys are off. You're faithless without faith. He did not, he did not say, you know, I understand, guys. You'll, you'll get the hang of it. No, he went right to the problem, which was you have not acted in faith. Now, do we believe this or not? And the proof is going to be in this, in this week as we come into situations that are impossible to us and whether we, we stop and say, well, it just can't be done, or we say, by God's grace, he's already conquered this situation. He's wanting to conquer and bring, bring the experience of that over every sin and every obstacle that gets in my way of, of obeying the will and word of Jesus Christ. And so I need to believe him by faith and step forward in obedience. And friends, if we don't, we're going to find ourselves in a situation where the Holy Spirit is coming to our heart and he's saying, hey, listen, you lack faith. You're faithless. You're without faith. It's not that they were unsaved. It was that they were, they were acting without dependence on him. And so he also says perverse. Uh-oh. Perverse. Now help us. Someone help us. What, what do we think perverse means? 
debauch. What's that? Disordered. I like that. Yeah, stubborn. So it's interesting because we would, we would typically use the word perverse to talk about you know, an ungodly, ungodly generation, debauch. Um, but perverse is all, also the idea, I mean, it's, it's, out, of, it's out of order. There's, there's kind of a, a, you know, it's not running in order. Uh, it's, it's deviated. You could think of it maybe like that. Deviated from that which is right and good. So these guys knew what was right. They knew the commission that God had put on their, on their lives. And just like us, we, we deviate from what we know is right. We start depending on our flesh rather than depending on the Holy Spirit of God. And we find ourselves absolutely powerless against what we face out in this world. We hear people talking and we have no power to answer that need because we've deviated. We're not acting in faith and we're deviating. We're leaning to our own understanding. And so here we have him saying, you've deviated two questions. How long shall I be with you? How many more times do you need to see this model before you catch it? He goes, how long shall I suffer you? How long should I put up with this coming from you? Now, Jesus doesn't say these things out of, you know, like out of hatred. He says it, I mean, you understand everything Jesus is doing is out of love. But at the same point, there's a question. I, I've been walking with you. I've been showing you. I've given you the power. How long should I put up with this? We've asked our children that. How long should I put up with this? Jesus does this with them. So Jesus had over and over demonstrated right in front of them, even in the chapters before, his matchless power to triumph over all things. Yet they're not taking that same triumph and bringing that into the lives of others. And so Jesus rebukes the devil and once again shows his disciples the power that he has and the child was cured from that very hour. I love that. I love that. The moment that you trusted Jesus Christ, you were cured from that very hour. Right? The moment you come to him and ask forgiveness, you're made whole, right with the Heavenly Father from that very moment. It's not a... God does not have a parole system, friends. Aren't you thankful for that? He really doesn't. And we, we do in our minds, we get all messed up that way, but he doesn't. So, all right, so now they've been chastened. But you know, have you ever had the Holy Spirit smite you and you just kind of resign? You're like, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm just kind of done. I'll just walk out. Yeah, I did the wrong thing. Walk out of church and never ask a follow-up question. Like, Lord, what should I have done? What did I do wrong? Not like, what did I do wrong? You know, as a, you know, a teenager might say. But, Lord, what did I do wrong? So notice here in verse number 19. Then, Jesus came, uh, then came the disciples to Jesus apart, okay? So they're making an effort. They want to know something. They came to him apart and said, why could we not cast them out? Let's say that together. Why could we not cast them out? Why, Lord? What did we do wrong? Show us. Show us what happened. Pride defends itself. Humility will ask questions. Pride defends itself. Humility is going to ask questions. James 4 and verse number 6, Wherefore God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Here's God, uh, Jesus going to step in. He's going to give them grace. He's going to help them out and help them to become better followers and disciples of, uh, of him. So they were curious. They were curious. Oh, that God would give us a curiosity for when we truly mess up with, um, with Jesus. Why? Why? What went wrong? 
Show me how to do it better next time. You, are you with me on that? Can we ask him that this week? Why, why was I powerless in that situation to answer this person and help them to come to an understanding of the gospel? Why? Lord, why was I quaking in fear in this situation? What went wrong? What was going wrong in my heart? Was there a sin? Was, there, was, was it a wrong thinking? What went wrong? And so Jesus is very high, uh, interested in helping us to experience his triumph and his conquering. And I want us to realize 2 Timothy 3, 16. I have one more point that I want to get across here. 2 Timothy 3 and verse number 16. He tells us that all scripture, and Jesus is the living word, is he not? You all convinced about that? Jesus is the living word. So all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, help me out, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. What did Jesus do on just now? He reproved them. Faithless and perverse generation. He reproved them. What's he going to do next? Well, just what he says this word's going to do. He's going to correct them. Reproof is, this is wrong. Correction is, this is how to make it right. Instruction in righteousness is how to keep it right. And so he's going to instruct them. He's going to show them how to make it right. And so here he is. He counsels his disciples. And uh, just like he says to the church in uh, Revelation 3 and verse uh, number 18, here's what's wrong. I'm reproving you. Now I counsel thee to do this, this, and this, and this is how you're going to get back on track. I counsel you. And so I advise you. I urge you. I, I declare you a plan. This is the way to get back into, into the right. And so he says, because of your unbelief, they, they ask, what went wrong? Why couldn't we cast them out? He says, because of your unbelief. It's that straightforward. Because of your unbelief. That's the bottom line. Right now, much of the reason we do not see the triumphs of Christ is because of our unbelief. right? Much of the reason we don't see on Christ triumphing or experience the triumph of Christ over a besetting sin is because of our unbelief. We don't believe that he actually can deliver us. We don't believe that he actually can help us set the priority. We don't believe that he can actually work these details out. So we don't believe, and what happens? We don't see the triumph. We don't see the triumph. And so here it is. I want us to realize he goes on to say, Howbeit this kind goes out, uh, goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. So why? Because of your unbelief. This goes back to this matter of, I got this, he's got this. I've got this, he's got this. The unbelief is this. I, I, I got to take care of this. I got to cast out this devil. I got to convert this soul. I got to. No, no, no. He did not send us into this world to do this. He sent us into the world to, with his power, see him accomplish this. He's got this. And so they weren't believing that. And the first time, do you remember what happened in Luke 10 and verse number 17? We cast out devils through your name. Through your name. That's how it happened. Well, they lost sight of that. The disciples couldn't cast them out. The disciples couldn't cast them. No, we can't do anything without him. And so, because of your unbelief, with faith, he says, with faith, nothing's impossible. And, and, and all he's doing is giving an illustration. With faith, you could say to this mountain, be removed and it's going to be changed. There are some things that seem absolutely immovable to us. The saving of a soul is absolutely immovable. The, the, the raising, even as we talk about preparing for the harvest, the, the, some of the things that we've, we're setting out as a goal are absolutely impossible to us. But not with Christ. Not with faith. 
not with faith at all. And so what does he say? The last part that he says there, however, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Friends, how do we express our faith? How do we express that, God, I need you in this situation? How do we express that? How do we demonstrate that? I submit to you that prayer is a declaration of our dependence. Prayer is a declaration of our dependence. When we stop and pray, Miss Pam was telling me about her, her brother today. Obviously, it's on her heart. When we stop and pray, right there in the office, it's a declaration of dependence. When you stop and pray with another brother or sister in Christ who's just shared a burden with you out in the lobby or in this, in this room, it's a declaration of dependence. Well, there's no movement without prayer. And we, this is something that I, I believe that sometimes we've gotten away from. I don't know why. And sometimes you get into different churches and there's, there's cultures where you'll see, it, uh, you'll see it more. But sometimes even outside of, outside of the, the Baptist, you see a lot more prayer that goes on. They're getting together to build a house. You know, one of these Christian and Samaritan purse getting together to build, build a house and say we prayed i i think about you know how many of you've watched fireproof okay do you know before every every day they bathe every set in prayer they bathe the workers in prayer they pray constantly they have prayer meetings is it any wonder god has touched those those movies we watch them and we're stirred in our hearts and there's a spiritual message that came through that was bathed in prayer and friends, we can learn something from, from watching, uh, watching others, but really just from the, the Lord Jesus Christ. He literally tells us there is not spiritual movement, there is not the fulfillment of my commission on your life without prayer. This kind goes not out but by prayer and fasting. And fasting is, a, come to understand this, and the Lord's growing, growing the understanding. Fasting is a lot less about, you know, I'm, I'm going to not eat right now. And, uh, and that's what's going to make the difference. Fasting is, is coming to a point of desperation where I don't, food just kind of goes out of the mind because I'm so desperate for this. And I, I give myself, and certainly there's times where we, we say, I'm, I'm not going to eat, I'm going to give myself to prayer. But I've found that also there, there's, there's a time where I, I so badly need this that I don't even care about food right now. I just need God to work in this situation. And um, I remember back at... at vacation Bible school or adventure camp this, this past year, um, some times of, of desperation and, and spending walking around this building um, time and time again with my, my wife uh, in, the, in the lawn, just walking and walking and walking and crying out for God to work in this place and to, to remove the sense of the opposition that Satan was, was so strongly working in that week. And, and you know what? In those moments, food doesn't sound really, it just doesn't sound very appetizing. So we need God. We need God more than food. And so he says, it doesn't go out but by prayer and fasting. Oswald Chambers said it this way, it's impossible to conduct your life as a disciple without definite times of secret prayer. Prayer does not fit us for greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Remember in Acts, Jesus sending his, uh, saying, I'm going to go back to heaven. I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait there for what? The power of the Spirit. I want you to wait for the coming of the Spirit. So you go there. 
What do we find in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 13? And when they were come in, they went up into the upper room where abode Peter and James and John and goes through all the disciples. These all continued in one, with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women, Mary the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Do you know what? At that moment, at that moment, all these people are together, they're in the upper room, and they're praying, they're seeking God. Is it any wonder that in Acts chapter 2, in verse number 1, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven as of the rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Is it any wonder that God touched down at Pentecost? Is it any wonder they were there in total devotion to him. He's got this. This is all about him. We need him. We need his spirit. We need his power. We need that spirit again. We need that hunger again in this place. We have far gone too long with this mindset. We, we look to the circumstances. We look to the numbers. We look to, the, to the, the trends and all these things. We look to how our country's going. Friends, we need to get our eyes in that upper room away from it all and look at him and realize there is no movement without prayer. There's none. There's not going to be movement in our church. There's not going to be movement in our family. There's not going to be movement in our, our, family, our, our personal lives without prayer. Oswald Chambers also said it this way, too often we treat prayer as the preparation for the, the work of the church. Do you not see prayer is the work of the church? Why? Because our work is his work, and getting on, on, on the same page with him happens in the secret place of prayer. I want to I challenge you about this. I want to challenge you to, to, to ask God to increase your prayer. I'm not talking about necessarily setting a timer and saying, I'm going to increase my, my quantity of, of prayer. I'm sure that God will do that as we grow. grow. But I, I, I do want to challenge you about setting this time aside to pray and asking God, God, would you work in our church? Would you work in my family? Taking that time and really seeking him like it all depends on him because it does. Because it does. And before we stop and say, you know, it's impossible, before we stop and say, you know, I, I've been through this drill before, let's get to God in prayer. And friends, when, you, when you're here in this place and you hear of a need or you're talking about some need of the church or, you know, something that we're doing as a church, some of the, the vision and, and so on, get in the practice of saying, let's just pray about that. Let's just pray about that right now. Let's just have a word of prayer. And demonstrate to one another, I believe God has this. I believe God has this. There's no movement without prayer. No movement. None. You, you, might, you might be finding yourself at a kind of a parched time in your, your life. There's not going to be any spiritual movement in your life until we get to the reality that prayer has to be happening. It has to be there. And so uh, you, might, you might even be up, uh, up against it where you don't know the way forward. I urge you to get to a quiet place of prayer. Get to a quiet place. Set aside an hour. Say, God, I, I am not leaving this, this place. I'm, not, I, I'm, I'm here for an hour, and I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to open up my Bible. I want to hear from you. Have a pen ready. Ask God to start speaking. You know what? He's going to. It's going to be pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. So I urge you in that way. No movement without prayer. Constantly constantly turning to him and just acknowledging him. You got this. This is a problem. I don't know how to break through it, but you got it, and I praise you for that and uh, asking him to work. And so I urge you in that way, why don't we bow our heads tonight and
Would you plan to take some extra time in prayer over the next couple days? You know, some of you get up really early. Do you have a drive? Would you take that time and say, God, during this drive, I'm not going to turn on the radio or some music. I'm going I'm to talk to you. I'm going to start out by praising your name for your attributes. I'm going to talk to you. I'm just going to, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray through the needs that are going on in my life. I'm going to pray for your power to be seen. Pray for my church. I'm going to pray for my children. Pray for my grandchildren. Can you commit to God tonight that there's going to be some, there's going to be a time in the next couple days Tomorrow will be best. You're going to spend some time in prayer, just acknowledging him. You, you need some movement, but you know that nothing, nothing happens in, in Christ's purpose in your life without prayer. Father, there's more than enough of your followers here tonight uh, to accomplish your will. Lord, if we would have faith and obedience, Lord, we can, we can see you work in ways that are only describable and explainable as God. And so, Lord, we ask that you'd help us. We are feeble. We often struggle to lean to our own understanding. We often, Lord, get sidetracked. We ask that you would help us, Lord, tonight to uh, get back to the first thing of, of prayer and declaring our dependence upon you. So, Lord, would you work in us? And even tomorrow, as, as your people here get to prayer and find that quiet place with you, I pray that you'd meet with them in a special way. Meet with them in such a way, Lord, that it creates a hunger in their hearts to get back to that place. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you, and I, I, hope that, uh, I hope that that encourages your heart tonight. Little as much when God's in it. And so let's uh, Aaron, may God bless you as you, uh, as, you, uh, as you seek him there. Have a wonderful week. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday. But there are, there are just at 41 people that are signed up for the soul winning seminar, praise God. And, uh, and we look forward to increasing that number over the next uh, couple weeks, but praise God for that. Looking forward to what God's going to do with that band of soul winners.